Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, you can be seated. Give me a little help here today. I told Phyllis, I don't know I, if I think I might have forgot how to preach. And she said, well, just scream at them like you do me. So you're in for a roller coaster emotional ride today. No, hallelujah. Uh, I'll talk to you after I get done preaching and uh, give you some updates and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to be here as much as I possibly can on Sunday mornings. And uh, they've just told me not to get close to people. So uh, Phyllis told me that years ago not to get close to her. So I've been in training. Praise God. Let's turn our Bibles today to 1 John, the 5th chapter, verse 4 and 5. I'm going to talk about what to hold fast while you are believing for healing. There are many things that the devil will try to get you to be shaken from, to let go, to loose, to compromise on, to maybe listen to other sources instead of the Word. So we're going to talk about things that we as Christians should hold forth as we fight the fight of faith. It says, 1 John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Simply what this means is that when a person gets born again, they receive a measure of faith. That's Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 3 on down. Now, that measure of faith enables you, as a believer, to live life and it more abundantly, to appropriate every promise that God has given to us. Now, that faith is yours. doesn't belong to God. doesn't belong to me. It's yours. You can use it for your personal use, the things that you need or desire to be done in the earth. It also means that we have been given faith. Somebody say faith. faith. God has given us faith to turn every battle into a victorious end. You say, but well, I see people fail all the time and this and that. It's not a faith failure. It is a people failure. And that simply means that we may get disturbed, we may get confused, we may get lackadaisical, we may get weary fighting the fight, cave in and give up. But realize that there is no failure in faith. Faith always produces a new birth. Faith always produces the rights and the privileges of every believer. Always. It does not fail. If it failed, then you and I would not have a guarantee and we would have no motivation to fight anything. We would just cave in to anything that came. But we are not people that cave in. We are people 
that overcome. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to be talking today about overcoming and what to do to hold fast that which we need to keep in perspective when we are fighting the fight of faith for really anything. But today, specifically, the area of healing in our life. So let's go to Matthew, the 8th chapter, verse 1 through 4. Remember that God does not see us as individuals. He does in one sense, but in another sense, he doesn't see us as individuals. He sees us as a family. And he is not a respect of persons. If we could get that in our hearts and our minds, what we could get is a surrender that God is for us, just like he's for everybody else, and that he never fails us. Matthew, the 8th chapter, verse 1. And when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me whole. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said unto him, See that thou tellest no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift of Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. When we look at this passage of Scripture, we think that Jesus is talking just to one leper. But he's not talking to one leper. He's talking to the world. Because what he says to one, he says to all. Amen? And so in this passage of Scripture, what Jesus wills for a leper, he wills for every individual. And so every story that we see in the Bible, God wants you and I to accept it as a personal proclamation. Amen? He doesn't want us to, you know, pick and choose. He wants us to live the way that every person in the Bible has been directed to live. So we understand that Jesus says this to the leper. Look, I will be thou cleansed. This is a secret to you and I living in divine health. And the secret is that we have to realize and understand that God wants us whole. Come on, God wants us whole. He doesn't want some of us whole. He wants us all whole. And it's his will, just like it is to the leper, that you and I walk in the fullness of what God has done for us in the gospel. Amen? So God's not a respected person. Somebody say he's not a respected person. That means that God doesn't love one more than another. And whosoever will meet any of the conditions of the Bible, then we understand that when the conditions are met, 
then the promise is fully granted. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean that it happens immediately. It means that you and I have to be persuaded that God's will is unchangeable and that God is in love with you as much as he is in love or has been in love with Billy Graham. You know, great exploits don't make God love people any more than he shows at the cross. Amen? So, we have to understand that God's not a respected person. And what he said to one, he said to who? All. So, when we read the Bible, we're reading what Jesus is saying to you and I. The Bible says in Luke 4, 40, I believe it says that when Jesus came into the city, that a multitude came out, and they brought all of the divers, the sick, and the disease. Why would they do that? Because they had in their mind that Jesus was not a respect of person. His fame, his reputation was this, that if you came sick, you didn't go home sick. He had a reputation of driving out devils and raising up the sick and the disease. And so when they brought them from miles away, they brought them in all types of contraptions. They brought them on tables. They brought them on beds. They brought them in wagons on donkeys. They figured it was a one-way trip it wasn't a two-way trip. We're going to go and we're going to come the same way. No, we are going and we are coming back on our own strength and our own victory. Amen. And that's what Jesus means when he says that he's not a respect of persons. If you will come to Jesus, hold fast that which you first believed, then understand that the benefit of healing will be yours. Remember, all of the promises of God are yea and amen. Now, I don't know why we read them and don't believe that God would do anything for us, but you have to read it like it is a personalized letter from God to you. That's what the Bible is. It is a personalized letter revelation of God's covenant of what he has done and the conditions that you need to meet. The conditions are easy. You just have to start them and stand fast and see it through till the end. Amen? The second thing that is so important that you don't want to give up is obedience. Obedience. Obedience is the brother of faith. If you have faith, you obey. If you don't have faith, guess what? You don't obey. That's where unbelief begins to rule men's lives. And so being obedient to God in everything that you are persuaded of is necessary for you to live a life of faith and not a life 
of a wounded conscience or condemnation. You want to make sure that you got all your I's dotted and your T's crossed. You want to be obedient. Remember where the prophet told the leper, go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River? Man, oh man, that guy was like out of his mind. Why would you tell me to go dip myself in the dirty Jordan? Well, because that's what God was doing to prove his faith. And obedience was necessary for that man to receive his miracle. Well, his servant said, if, if, if he asked you to do something great, wouldn't you do it? He said, well, of course. He said, well, he just asked you to do something simple. That's why it's so important that we live a life of obedience. A life of obedience expresses a life that Jesus is Lord of. Amen? We don't get to pick and choose. Amen? So many times, oh, you know, I know God said that, but I don't want to do that. Well, that's disobedience. Now you've just excluded yourself from any activity of God towards your well-being. Remember when Jesus spit on the ground, the man that was blind and made clay and put it in his eyes and said, go thou and wash in the pool of Shalom. Well, remember, the guy was blind. He didn't know how to get there. He didn't have a road map. He didn't have somebody to lead him. He didn't have a seeing eye dog. But Jesus said, go. Now, that was a pretty monumental task that you had to feel your way to a pool and so that man made his way probably asking people which way to the pool of shalom i'll go down here and turn left then after the guy gets away from him oh i should have told him to turn right you know i don't know how long that the blind man walked looking for the pool of shalom but i do know that he accomplished the task. And when he washed his eyes, he came back seeing. He received his miracle. Obedience is so important. The Bible says that God gave the Holy Ghost to those that obey him. Well, it would mean that if we disobey God, then the Holy Ghost is restricted in his activity in our life. So we want to make sure that we are obedient. Amen? Then the third thing I think is so important is to build your faith. See, we sometimes think because we've heard it that we have received faith. You have. But if you don't use faith, if you don't release faith, if you don't feed faith, if you don't care for your faith, your faith gets weak and unsure. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the Word of God. In other words, it comes by a perpetual 
restoration every day. We live by the bread of life. We live by the Word of God. And we have to use and keep our faith active, strong, and ready. See, once you use faith for a mountain, that mountain will be removed. But what do you do after you used your faith? Your faith was used for a purpose. Now it's used. Now it has to be replenished. It has to be fed. It has to be watered. It has to be cared for. Don't neglect taking care of your faith. Every day if you're believing for healing, read healing scriptures. Well, I know them all, and I know this. Well, I understand that you do, but God still wants you to hear. Amen? So you have to hear. You have to renew your faith. It's just like any other substance in our life. It has to be renewed when it's used. Amen? All righty. The third thing is, let's go to Mark, the fifth chapter, verse 21. This is probably one of the greatest battles that any believer fights when they are believing or standing for healing. Mark, the fifth chapter, in verse 21. This is a story of Jairus. His daughter, one translation says, his daughter's already dead. The other translation is that she is dying. And then it says this, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And he besought him, saying, My little girl, my little daughter, lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come, lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus said unto him, much people followed him and thronged him. So here Jesus is invited. He's not forced. He's invited. And Jesus, just as willingly as he responds to our faith and our request, responds to Jairus. You know, there is no request that God doesn't respond to when it's done in faith. None. Could it get an amen? It's none. There is not a prayer, there's not a request, there's not a thought that God doesn't respond to when we do it in faith. Now already, this is a hopeless situation in Jairus' mind, except that Jesus is involved. But he's hopeless we know he probably was a very wealthy man. Most rulers of synagogues were. But he did not have the potential to reverse sickness, 
disease, and death, no matter how much money he had. Money can do a lot of things, but it can't buy what God gives free. Amen. Faith is a far more valuable commodity than money. Faith can get you money, but money can't get you faith. Amen. Somebody said that money can't buy you love. No, but it sure can influence it. So we want to make sure that we pursue the things that are important and not just trivial things. Let's look at verse 35 now. And while he yet spake, there came one of the ruler's synagogue's house, certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Now, anybody knows what dead means. And why troublest thou the master any further? In other words, it's over. Well, I don't think it's over until God says it's over. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh into the house where the ruler of the synagogue, and he seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come, he said unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Get God's perspective on your pronouncement or upon your diagnosis. Nothing is impossible to God. Don't make things so final that God doesn't have a place. That God doesn't have a place. And then he says, And they laughed him to scorn. But when he put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother and the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying and he took the damsel by the hand, and he said unto her, Great balls of fire, <laughs> which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel rose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment and he charged them straightway that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given unto her to eat. Jairus is headed to his house for the miracle that he has asked. When he gets there, things get worse before they ever get better. His daughter is now dead. The 30 days of mourning and weeping have already been set into motion. Now, that kind of tells you the expectation of Jairus 
without Jesus coming. And sometimes people only turn to God when he is a last hope. But I would encourage you to get started with God at the first indication of any trouble. Amen? Amen? It's easier to run bugs out of your house when you only got one in it. When you start seeing them create a line, you know you're in for a fight. So when you see one, kill the bug. So as soon as trouble starts coming, the Bible said, call upon the Lord in the time of trouble, and he will answer you. If you don't call, God will be silent. Not that it's his will, but he will do for you what you ask him to do. So Jairus begins to move towards his house. The guy comes and says, don't trouble Jesus, your daughter is dead. Now he only has a very short time because in eastern countries, they bury their dead without embalming them unless people were very wealthy. And then they would have them embalmed, and they used the same embalming as they did in the Egyptian days. In fact, morticians will tell you that they have not been able to improve on it even up to today. So it might be cheaper just to have your wife wrap you in a sheet, cover you with plaster Paris, and throw you in the ground. It saved money. Now, we understand that Jesus is on the way, and Jesus says something to Jairus. He's only got one thing in mind. Don't be afraid. And what he says is this. Don't be intimidated by powerless accusations don't listen to words that have no power don't be intimidated don't shrink back don't get quiet don't get insecure don't get weak don't get weary continue to believe what does that mean that means continue to think the way you thought when you bowed your knee to me when we first met. You know, your mind is one of the greatest catalysts of your faith being productive. If you believe that you can, you can. Too many Christians say, oh, I, I can't do that. And as soon as you say it, you disembark all of the powers of God on your behalf. Don't ever say you can't when God said you can. Amen? So we want to make sure that we believe. Proverbs 23, 7, As a man thinketh in his heart, his mind, so is he. How your mind thinks, your mouth Jesus says, don't be intimidated. 
only believe. Continue thinking the way you thought. Now it tells you that even though God has given you a word and guaranteed that she will live, the words of men can abort your faith. Did you hear what I said? The words of mere men that have no faith, that do not believe, can overthrow your faith. Don't listen to them because they're not God. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to James 1-2. James 1-2, things to hold fast while you are believing. Make sure your mind stays thinking the same way you thought when you released faith. And we've only got another dozen to go, so hang on. Hallelujah. James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy when ye shall fall into diverse temptations or trials, places where Satan would tempt you to separate yourself from God. He would attempt you to go an alternative way. But when these things come, we are to count it all joy. Somebody say all joy. All joy. That simply means that we as believers need to have our lives filled with praise. Filled with praise. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, if I have time, I will praise the Lord. Praise is to be a major emphasis in the believer's life. What does praise do? It affirms that you have faith in God. It affirms that you believe what God has said. It affirms that you are not going to be moved. And so as believers, we are always to be joyful. Joyful. The Bible says in Psalms 8, 2, that God has ordained praise out of the mouth of babes that when it is released, that it will still stop, paralyze the adversary. In other words, you can't think him inactive, but you can praise him into paralyzation that he cannot move. Why? Because when you start praising God, God inhabits the praises of his people. So you and I as believers need to fill our house with praise. We need to fill our nights with praise. I remember one time Nikki was afraid of the dark. You know how vexing that can be? Mommy! Then your wife, 
honey, she's calling for you. I said, she's not calling for me. She said, mommy. Well, she met daddy. You know, all night long, oh, it's okay, honey. And pretty soon she's in our bed or on the floor beside our bed. Whatever. We should have just sold that, rented that room and, and made some money off of it. But she was afraid of the dark. So what I did, I made this cassette tape. That's before some of your time. <laughs> cassette tape, and I made it, and I did both sides. And so every 45 minutes, I got up, turned it over, and let her hear that she was a master of fear. Well, pretty soon, she didn't need it. Pretty soon, you could sleep without lights on. Then, she came when she got into teenage, guess what? She would go home and not even lock the doors on the house. She would go outside when we were having supper with a guest speaker. She'd go out and sleep in the car and not lock the doors. Phyllis would complain all the time. I said, Phyllis, think how much we're spending on her. If she's stolen, it would be cheaper. <laughs> but you know what? Now she's not afraid. She goes everywhere all the time, and she's just not afraid. Now her mother is afraid. Oh, it's dark out. That's so they can't see you. She thinks it's so that she can't see them. But God made it dark so they can't see you. But we broke the power of fear over her. Don't be intimidated. But fear tries to intimidate the way you think and the way you talk. Don't cave into that. Make sure that you fill your house and your life with praise. And I mean that you, on purpose, take time and use a time of your day to thank God for that which he has done. Thank God for that which he has done. Could it get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Remember that when Abraham was bombarded with doubt, what he did he gave thanks, praise, and honor and glory to God through his praise. And he stayed strong and did not bend. Now, if it worked for Abraham, it'll work for you. Amen? Second Corinthians 5, 7 is that we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, we've already talked how important your faith is. Just because you feel good doesn't mean that your faith is faring well. You want to make sure you take care of it. Now, as we walk by faith, that simply means that we accept what God says over everything else that is happening. Over everything else that is happening. And everything that you see that is happening when you are battling for health and healing, 
Those are voices that the enemy is trying to use to intimidate or to disrupt the way you think and talk. It's important that you talk right. It's important that you talk right. So we, ex we accept what God has said over everything else that is being thrown our way. Now, we do not deny what they're saying, but what we do is accept what God is saying. Amen? So we want to make sure that we are walking by faith. And when we walk by faith, we don't consider outside sources. We consider this the absolute source of truth. No matter what we see with our eyes, what we're feeling in our bodies or our lives, no matter what's going on, we believe that this is the absolute outcome. Remember that faith can set you free. Now, it may be fact that you are hurting, that you are struggling with your health, but the truth of the matter is that this word will change fact. Amen. It changed you from a sinner to a saint. Amen. And so we want to make sure that we agree with God, not with what is coming. You don't have to say, well, I, I rebuke that. Well, you don't have to do that. Well, you can say, I understand what you're saying, but I want you to understand that I believe in God's hand upon my life. And I believe what God said about me more so than what you're saying about me. It's not that their evidence is untrue. It means that we agree with God instead of agreeing with the report. Isaiah 53, 1, whose report will you believe? Because if you'll believe God's report, adhere to it, you shall see the arm of the Lord. You'll see salvation come in its fullness. So we want to make sure there is a report of the world, there is a report of the Lord. Which one are you going to choose? It's up to you, not up to God. It's up to you, it's not up to somebody else. It's up to you, it's not up to your friends or your family. It's up to you. Amen. Whose report will you believe? Hallelujah. So we want to make sure, remember when they were going into the promised land, they sent 12 spies over, and they came back, and 12 of them had an evil report. They said, look, man, that land is filled with giants. And those giants are so strong and mighty that they eat up the inhabitants of the land or anybody that comes in there. Well, that was an evil report. It shook 
Israel's confidence. And in Deuteronomy 1.18 it says, How can we go up because our brothers have discouraged our faith? You get that faith discouraged, faith will do nothing of what it was designed to do. And then there were two men that had a good report. Name was Caleb I forgot the other guy's name, Caleb and Joshua. And uh, so they come back with a good report. They said, you're right, but it's filled with giants. But let's turn it around with God on our side. You know what? If we have God on our side, they're nothing but a snack for us on the way to possessing the land. And so they went, and they took the land. But see, there's a good report and a bad report in everything. And then we don't want to throw away our confession. Your confession is your lifeline to your salvation. It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you will believe in your heart, And if you will confess with your mouth just a confession that Jesus Christ is Lord or the Son of God, thou shalt be saved. Do you realize that your confession stops the adversary, breaks his prison, breaks his control, breaks his authority over your life? Use your confession. Hold fast your confession. Don't let it go. Make sure that you are confident that we have a heavenly priest, Jesus Christ, that is in the midst of the throne room of God representing you and I. Hold fast your confession so that we can see victory in Christ. So don't throw these things away. They're not all of the things we need to hold on to, but they are basically the highlights of what we are to hold on to. So let's make sure that we keep our minds right, keep our words right, keep our faith strong. Don't dwell on the negative. Dwell on the positive. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet for a moment. Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, God, we worship you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there a woman named here by Lana? A woman by Lana. Where is she? Where are you, Lana? Let me see you. Okay, Lana. I'm here to tell you that seasons come and seasons go. And sometimes seasons blow through areas, and we never get an opportunity to put everything back in order. 
We never get an opportunity to repair the things that a storm or a season has brought to us. But I'm telling you that God is about to renovate your past. And God is about to renew your joy. And God is about to cause you to be celebrative and to be filled with a new place of praise. Now, God is about to touch you and enter back into your life. Not that you have ever left God. I'm just telling you that seasons sometimes mess everything up. But God is about to restore your past and your life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. We thank you, Father. We just give you praise. Come on, lift your hands up to heaven. Hallelujah, God. Miracles happen. God, let miracles break forth. I curse right now tumors, growths, cancerous tumors in the name of Jesus. I curse them right now. I command them to die. I command them to come out of them in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, Father, I thank you that, God, you are releasing miracles right now in the area of the cause of these tumors, growths, and gorders in the name of Jesus. I speak, God, to thyroid problems. I speak, God, to throat problems in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I command miracles, God, to begin to take place right now. I speak, God, to the fourth and the fifth vertebra. God, the disc that have been slipped, that God has caused this back to be malfunctioning, God, to cause pain, restriction. I command in the name of Jesus right now for them to come out of them in Jesus' name. Now, God, all pain be gone in Jesus Christ's name. I loose, God, miracles into that area. Hallelujah. 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 God, I speak to lungs right now. God, that have been partially damaged, I speak to those lungs right now that, God, they be resurrected in Jesus' name, let life come back into those lungs in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I see an old damaged scar on a lung that happened by a rib, an accident, a fall, but that rib punctured that lung and you're constantly having to be treated for that. I command in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that it'll be treated today by the hand of God in Jesus Christ's name. Hallelujah. Now, God, I loose miracles. Let miracles fall, God. Let them begin to reverse sickness and disease. Let them reverse, God, Diseases that have been ongoing for, God, years. I curse those things right now in the name of Jesus. 
Now, if you had those vertebras or those discs that had pain in them, just begin to check yourself right now. You had a tumor or growth, please check yourself right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Looks like that there is a, a bone, a bone that is not normal. It's kind of like an, a bone that isn't there, but it's there. Not supposed to be there, but it's there. And I curse that right now in the name of Jesus. And I reverse right now. I reverse that birth defect in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, God, I thank you for it. Amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Migraine headaches that have been coming on the right side they start up here by the temple, between the temple and the ear. Those things are stopping right now. We command them to stop in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Now, if you can tell the difference, just lift your hand up and say, I believe God's touched me. If you can tell the difference, there you go. There you go, wherever they are, that's it. Lift your hands up so that people can see that God's touched people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All righty. Well, can I have my grandkids up here? Yes. And my daughter and is my son-in-law here? Oh, there he is. Son-in-law. 